Hello, my name is Priyanka Pane and we have with us Eric Horn, Managing Director, iFast Financial India, which is a wholly owned subsidiary of iFast Corporation based out of Singapore. Like we know that iFast Corporation has been in the race to get a digital banking license. Eric is going to tell us the idea behind the move and how it's going to impact the banking industry overall. So Eric, can you tell us a little bit about how and when it all started? I think this global trend has started in the UK, right, where they decided to create a digital bank that does not require them to open uh, physical branches in order to disrupt the, uh, the incumbents, right? Because I think the regulator believed that there is actually a lot of improvement that can be done and they wanted the technology startups to come in and provide better services for the consumers. So when that started, I think then the rest of the world, like Asia, also begin to look at that and also uh, follow suit with a similar kind of regulation to allow a digital bank to exist. I think the sole aim of that is really to reduce cost uh, for the consumers and also to increase services penetration to those that is so-called underserved. Right? One of the objectives, I say, for Hong Kong regulator is to enable these banks to serve the SMEs better right? because uh, they, f- they feel that the incumbents find that this business with SME is not profitable enough or the demands you know, to go to the regulation and compliance is too high so they do not really want to serve this segment. But it is the SMEs that the regulator feel you know, should be served more because they can become a backbone of, of the economy. Right. So that is one of the objectives that Hong Kong has. Whilst in the UK, I think they started I think more like I say, to disrupt and, and to, to lower the cost of banking for the consumers. And you will start to see the likes of Monzo Bank that started I think in Germany. And there's, there's a, I think I forgot the name of that, uh, N30 or something like that. You know, I don't remember the name, but there are a number of uh, digital banks that started then. And they start to evolve to focus a lot on technology tools and solutions for the consumers and naturally so it also caused a ripple effect in the incumbents to also improve right i think for the longest time we've all been frustrated over some of the things that the banks can provide in terms of technology but when this wave started everybody started to focus on technology and provided better tools so it has been actually a very positive trend and i think with more competition obviously i think more segments of the market can be served and even served better Right. So our thinking behind joining the race to get the license is that we feel that uh, we have always been part of the disruptors because when we started our investment business, we also started uh, with the main objective of reducing costs for the clients and to serve them better right, in terms of uh, education for investment like in mutual funds as it was in Singapore. And so for wealth management, we feel that banking is actually an essential part of wealth management. It completes the whole ecosystem for wealth management. So which means that client now, when they come to our platform, they can get loans, right? They can also uh, put deposit and do Forex to money transfer to other countries at much lower cost. And we are confident that we are able to do that solely because that we are able to also manage our costs very well, right? Where many of our solutions are in-house and then we are not outsourcing many of the things like IT and all that. So with better management of costs, then we will then translate that to better services and also lower costs for the consumer when they actually assess banking services. And the other thing that we also want to do is that we want to serve some of these customers that the bank do not want to serve, as for example, the SMEs. And we believe that you know, uh, with the right structure in terms of compliance or technology uh, solutions, we'll be able to actually provide the solution for these SMEs who need the funding. And this funding can also, in, uh, in the end, uh, help the economy because they can become the backbone as well and don't really need to depend on MNCs. 
So as you rightly mentioned that uh, SMEs can be a major target of uh, digital banks. Mm. Uh, what about the uh, retail banking? What about consumers? Mm -hmm. Will digital bank be a second bank for them? Or uh, going forward, do we see digital banks dominating the consumer's uh, mind share? I think the response from the incumbents is not that they are staying put. The incumbents, the established banks are also investing a lot into technology. If you look at DBS Bank, you know, has started a huge uh, strategy to become a Digibank as well. All right? So they are doing what fintechs, startup banks, the, the challenger banks are also doing as well. And they are also very competitive in giving better rates, being more transparent. So this whole trend actually has created a very good competition because it also made the incumbents take up and say, okay, I also need to improve, I also need to be better because I'm being challenged by all these smaller banks with lower cost space. So I would think that there will be an amount of market share that will uh, be uh, taken up by this digital bank, uh, depending on how they differentiate their services and who they target to serve. Uh, but I would think that the incumbent banks will still be there, right? They still have the majority of the market share. And the fact that because also the trust and brand has been for a long time, you know, so, so banking services, actually wealth management also depend a lot on brand and trust. And like it or not, uh, you take a long time to, to actually build the trust and also size do, does matter. And people do trust when it's a huge bank, you know, backed by a huge uh, capital and all of that. Doesn't mean that there's no opportunity for a smaller DG bank to come in. All right? It's just about how innovative they can be. I think some of the trend that we can see in the UK is that uh, they are able to open up to share information with other uh, fintech, let's say, to provide different parts of the solution. Right? So the DG bank might not have all the solution in one place, but they can open up and collaborate with other fintech to provide a whole suite of services and solutions. So once uh, once you get the license and you are also present in other markets like mm. India, China, mm. Malaysia, Hong mm. Kong, mm. so how is that going to work for you in those markets? Mm. I think once you get a banking license, it's actually easier to get the license in other countries because then you, you already have one in, in a country that is regulated and all that. So... Uh, if we can get, we are also applying for the UK digital banking license. Uh, we have applied for the Singapore digital banking license and Malaysia also has started the regulations for that and we will also be applying for it. So I think our idea is that if there's a banking license that can, we can apply for, we definitely will go for it. So a mass has given out Very application for five yeah. licenses yes. and the competition mm. is really, really mm. tough with 22 mm. entities already applied for yes. the banking license. Mm. How optimistic are you uh, with Alibaba in Frey? Um, I would say that uh, if you look at the, the way that is being uh, done, let's say in Hong Kong, Singapore and the UK, there is a marked difference, right? A difference in the way of the capital requirement that, that is needed to start first. UK has a very low uh, uh, capital requirement all right, because they understand that the digital bank will take time to build up the skill. Right? Whereas in Hong Kong and Singapore, the minimum is actually quite high. Right? So you end up having uh, very big players coming in to do it. So I would say the competition is keen, but we are still quite optimistic uh, to get it because of our pedigree. And also we are also a Singapore uh, homegrown company. All right? uh, we also have backing uh, from strong partners. Right? Hong Kong actually, we, we didn't get it the first time, but we are still trying. Right? Um, and you look at uh, who got the license in uh, Hong Kong, actually it went to all the big, big names. Right. right. So I think the Asian mindset is probably looking at playing it safe. If you look at the UK mindset, it's uh, very different. It's like they want disruptors, they want a startup to come in and make a difference. Right. So you can see a difference in the way they think and the license that they, that they give up to.
Talking a little bit about the Indian market, RBI, the regulator has not come up with any licenses for mm-hmm. digital banks or any paper on that. Do you think payments bank or the small finance banks mm-hmm. do have the potential to become digital banks going ahead? Yeah, I think obviously the first few because a payment bank is really doing some of the things that a digital bank can do as well, right? So I, I, I think they can certainly have the capabilities to do it. But I think the risk as well also exists you know, for players to come in because if uh, there's a, a systemic risk when a bank fails and that create panic and you don't know what is the ripple effect in terms of the interrelationship between this bank and that bank in terms of the loans that they have and all of that. So I think India will certainly also have a similar regulation for digital banking. It's just a matter of time and India is actually very much into technology. So I'll be surprised if the regulator do not come up with this. But I think also maybe they are taking a wait and see approach to see how uh, the uh, more developed countries are doing this digital banking. Uh, how it turns out and also what kind of regulation they need to uh, customize and localize for the Indian context. But I believe it's just a matter of time that India will also have a digital bank. So with banks also going online, there is also a risk of cyber threats. Mm. How will that pan out? I think cyber threat has always been there the moment we started online and internet, right? And of course, all of us, when we first started internet banking, you're all thinking, you know, will my money just disappear and whether it is safe enough? But I don't think that's really a concern these days with all the security that is there and then the regulation also ensure that there's sufficient level of checks and security to ensure that the client's information is protected. So I don't think that's actually a big concern. I think the concern is really whether the bank will be run well, you know, with the right people to ensure that it doesn't fail and create a systemic risk in the financial system. So totally the digital banking is the future. Uh, yeah, I think the digital bank is definitely the future. I don't think that every part of the banking services will just be digital. You look at wealth management, if you look at, uh, you know, when we were talking about the robo-advisory and all that, it's not really taking up in a big way as people who have thought that it will be. So certain part of the services in banking will still be the physical where you need the human touch. And obviously, whatever that we can uh, change it into technology where you don't need to queue in the, in the bank, you do a lot of things online, that will certainly come about. So I think it will be a mixture of uh, the physical and the digital that's happening in banking. With that, uh, uh, thanks Eric for uh, talking to IBS Intelligence and giving us insights on the future of banking.